question. How is everybody doing? How, how are you, Kevin? I'm doing great. <laughs> right now. I'm doing great. Yeah. I'm doing great. You know, we had a loss in our family. Shout out to Aunt Sharon, uh, who passed away last Monday. Uh, we went to her services um, on Saturday. Uh, so, you know, we, we have a little bit of lost in the Adams household, but it was good to connect with family and spend time together and just really uh, remember who Sharon was and, 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 and just honor her spirit and her memory. You know, we wouldn't be who we are without the ancestors. So shout out to Sharon. Uh, she will be missed and we love her. And we know that she's like looking down on us and taking care of us. Yeah. Yeah, man. And as, as, yeah, look, when, when you let me know kind of what happened, I just, man, my heart went out. I know you and your family, y'all have been through it and uh, just, you know, two dope nation, you know, they're here with healing vibes and, yes, and everything we appreciate you, it. So we yeah, appreciate definitely, it. man. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, so here we are, we're about to, about to drop tracks, track three of the revolution summer mixtape 2021. Uh, we just learned in our interview that, Track three is usually the most fire track, right? That's right. That's I didn't. Right. I didn't. I didn't know that until we were told about it. So it actually makes sense. Like when I started thinking about it, I was like, "Oh, going through records." I was like, "Oh yeah, track three usually is a hot one." So let's see. On "Kind of Blue," track three, it goes. It goes. Uh, Freddie Freeloader. Yes. And then it goes. No, Freddie Freeloader is track two. Uh, so what yes. is track one? Freddie Free Loader track two, and then Blue and Green is track three. Yes. Yes. I mean, I can kind of get so what is still the signature, like it track is, of that it album. is gonna be the one. <clears throat> yeah. And Flamenco Sketches is cool. What was another? Well, like, what are what are some other famous track threes? Famous track threes. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I'd have to spend some time. I, you're better than me right off the top of the head. That that was just the one that I was thinking of. Oh, that um, was. Santana Abrazas, track three is Samba Pati. Oh, there we go. That's a good one. Because it starts with Singing Winds, Crying Beasts is track one. Track two is Oye Como Va. Track three is Samba Pati. There we go. You're better yeah. than me. You remember, <laughs> these, you remember these album lists. I mean, it's like one of those things. Like I, I, it's, my mind is linear, I, I suppose, is the way it kind of goes. Um, my, yeah, mind, no, my mind is more <laughs> random. It's random. Well, speaking of random... We have quite the mixtape track coming up for y'all coming up, right? Yes, this is. A, I feel like this is this is what the people have been waiting for, but they didn't even know it. Is it they didn't know this is this is what they it comes didn't even down know. To. So yeah, we had the incredible opportunity to speak with Hasidiah Israel and Elijah Wright. Uh, they make up young activists. Elijah Wright's nickname is Young Activist, and um, man, this is this is interesting because getting connected with young people who are engaged in activism and uplifting communities. I think this is one of the kind of the realest conversations we've had with, with, uh, with young leaders. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think this is authentic youth voice, you know, that uh, was unrestrained and, and just really telling us what their perspective is and the work that they're doing and why they're engaged in it and how they feel about their world um, and so I think it's a powerful episode. I think people will really enjoy it and uh, be inspired by it and, and, and learn a lot. 
a lot. Yeah. These brothers have a lot of knowledge. And so, you know, they inspire me with their, their, the amount of knowledge and their passion for spreading, you know, their knowledge and understanding and their perspectives. Yeah. And, and I, and I would say too, that I think, so first um, we don't, put any value judgment on the type of language people use in our presence. Like we, we don't, we want people to come on the podcast to be part of Two Dope Nation as their authentic selves. We understand that some of you all may have young children. So this might be an earbuds episode. Am I right? <laughs> might be, might be, might be, might be, be depending on your episode, perspective. If you have young children and if, but if, if you, you listen, I think these gentlemen would say, if you listen to popular music, you should <laughs> listen to this. The, right. right. This ain't no exactly. word. Or, or, is a lot better than what we hear on the popular radio. And I think, and I think get that, into some of those perspectives. Yeah, and they talk a little bit about how there are certain things that we are willing to expose children to um, that are potentially harmful. And then there are other things that we'll try to shield them from. And, you know, they really do encourage us to, to interrogate those assumptions we make. You know, the other thing too, Kev, is like without being ageist or like, you know, patronizing, this is an amazing opportunity for you. This was a great chance for you and me to engage cross-generationally with young people. Like, I think we talk about young leaders and all these things, but we very infrequently as an, as a generation X, you and I were just talking about Gen X and kind of how, you know, how, how maybe we've struggled throughout our, our walks to be engaged. This is an opportunity to listen to somebody authentically and say that we have to honor their truth. We have to have to honor who they are and what they're bringing to us and what they're, what they have to teach us because it's a lot. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I think it's important and, and, and this is what an intergenerational movement means, That's right? right? Is that we, we allow the young people to say, and I, and I guess it puts us as, I don't know, I wouldn't say old people, but more middle-aged people, right? Yeah, we're but, old to but, them. <laughs> but again, you know, who is the vanguard? Who, who's at the front of the struggle, you know, is, is, is young cats like this. And, and so this is why I love this episode, these interviews. Uh, because it was, it's just inspiring and it, it rejuvenates me and just makes me think. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of makes me think of, you know, you and I have talked about this before, but in, in Saul Alinsky's book that he wrote, uh, Rules for Radicals, back in the day, one of the biggest critiques he had of activism was that it was joyless, that it yes. was that it yes. felt like a grind and a job. And this isn't to minimize the ways in which marginalized people are under attack these days. Like it isn't a matter of just don't worry and be happy. We ain't trying to, we ain't trying to do no Bobby McFerrin like activism right now, but, um, okay. but this is a joyful episode. Like to, you know, they get, they, they get serious and they, and they drop some real knowledge. Um, but it, it does feel like conversation and bonding and, uh, and positivity like the, there is this kind of there's a joy in working in community there's a joy in working towards the change that you believe in like i i think that's another key to this is this is a really joyful uh conversation that we have yeah most definitely most yeah definitely. so yo if you're new to two dope teachers and uh mike we want to acknowledge that so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers. You can also like us on Facebook at Two Dope Teachers as well. Um, any feedback you have, anything you, any way you want to communicate with us, uh, hit us up, two, do, two dope teachers at gmail.com. If you like what we do and you believe in supporting people of color media, 
um, support us on Patreon, uh, or uh, patreon.com slash teachers. Um, we are working towards just doing some great stuff. We got exit interview episodes. Uh, we have uh, habitually disruptive. We have work that we're just getting into and kind of doing this. So without any further ado, just want to invite y'all to enjoy Summer Revolution Mixtape 2021, track three, Young Activists, Elijah Wright and Hasadiah Israel. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Dope Teachers and a Mic, the Summer Revolution Mixtape. I'm Gerardo Munoz. And I am Kevin Adams. And they are young activists. What's up, fellas? How you doing? It's your brother Hasadai, a.k.a. Haas with the sauce to my left, the one and only. Yeah, young activist. I, I think you should do that again. Young activist. Woo-woo. <laughs> pop smoke braids. Unfortunately, <laughs> I know too bad this isn't a video podcast, but we got like definitely uh, young activist has different hair like every time I see him. And that's and that's a big reason to follow these young brothers. So here we are. It's It's a summer day. Yeah. It's yes. hazy. Do y'all hazy. know why it's hazy out there? I don't know why it's hazy out there. Uh, it's because of pollution. It's but a pollution it's, day. It's polluted White every supremacy. day. It's polluted <laughs> there every we go. day. May- that's oh, right. it's that's what it is. That's what it is. Who is it? Um, is it Michael Harriet on the route who writes movie reviews but makes all like a he sides with the bad guys and b yes um frames it as the good guys are actually working towards white supremacy and the bad guys are so he's got a whole nightmare on elm street interpretation where freddy krueger is really just trying to liberate the people in the suburbs um mm. and uh yeah y'all, like y'all should check it out y'all freddy krueger was a child rapist <laughs> i mean that's you know that's a that's a problem right he didn't do he, like he didn't do it's a, a problem yeah he's the fish <laughs> less than 24 hours we've come back to child molestation again man man it's a pretty prevalent part in american society especially in cultures black pretty much everywhere yeah we'll talk yeah like i don't care you can talk about white black asian i don't hear we, too much we like molestation for some reason pedophilia i do not i do not like that as america a, as a nation i'm not i'm not associated with this nation but america is big on sexual immorality this is not something that is a preference but it is a thing that shows up in culture all the time is that what you're saying exactly uh, are you <laughs> an english teacher who me nah yeah uh, i did no we're we're history teachers so oh that's true that's two. Social okay. studies. So, what year did slavery begin? When, when did slavery begin? What year? What year? In, in the United States, States, 1619. No, no, I didn't say in the United States. Oh, in the United States? Shoot. I, I, I mean, the, I the word That's still correct. The word slavery. That's still incorrect. So the word well, slavery. What do y'all say? Though. When did slavery Man, start? He keeps on interrupting me. See, see how this is? Kevin keeps <laughs> so on slavery? interrupting me. So what, what I would. What I would. Uh, uh, go Wait, ahead. The way Wait, I would where did feel- slavery start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just a So slavery started in uh, 1430, around the 1430s, uh, before the Renaissance in Europe. Wait. Black people started coming in to started being enslaved by is, quote unquote now, Caucasian people. Is this is Man, this? Hold on, hold on, Kevin, you ain't finna do me like Hirado. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just want to ask. Like, oh, hey, hey, hey. So right, in 14, around 1438, he got, he got that liquid courage right now. Have mercy on him. It's just a beer. I don't know how many beers he's had. Uh, 14. 
1438 in central central europe you start to see white people coming back into power and taking the black people who were living there who are uh, known as the moors more often than not not into slavery and pushing them out until we pushed into spain which is the last threshold of the moors and then in 14 which is around what 14 1450. No, 1450 is when we we quote the Renaissance, but 1492, so right before the Reconquista, (laughs) yes, the reconquering of Europe, because Black people had ruled the earth during the Dark Ages. We ruled um, in Europe, West Africa, the interiors of Africa, and we also ruled on this side of the world when you look at the Mayans, the Aztec, the Inca, and the different uh, First Nation Native Americans. Essentially, when we got pushed out the Middle East, we went everywhere up north and south. (laughs) Right. We'll talk about Technically, slavery began in 538 B.C. Okay, technically. See, that's what I was going to say is that what we what we've defined as is slavery yes. over the millennia it, so like early on like yes there was slavery in the roman empire right but it was often debt slavery you work off your debt and you're free so the brand of slavery that comes to define the industrial period i think hasadiah what you're pointing out like that brand is something completely different from historical like slavery. slavery chattel yeah so that's right owning a human yes. being and everything that's attached to that human being yeah absolutely so going back to the Roman, book out, he's got a book out now. <laughs> going back to the Roman Empire, though, we can go back to that in context. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like that we had the gladiators, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Y'all keep saying we. Who is we? Our government, our president, our astronaut. You left your mind in Africa. Negro, they won't even let you near the plants. <laughs> but even going that into context, though. You go back to the Roman Empire, we had gladiators, right? We yes. again. Okay. So in context... Romans had gladiators. Yes, they did. That, I mean, if you actually uh, look at like how the gla- how the gladiator dome was created, you could see the influence that America did with football and basketball and how, they literally, how they literally structured the stadiums around Roman gladiator and, empire. And stadium is a Latin word, too. Is, yeah, yeah, the Romans. Yeah, no. I, I find that fascinating. But even going into context with that, a lot of people don't notice, like Spartacus... A lot of these other individuals who was a part of the Roman Gladiator were black, which shows you that they yeah. still used us for entertainment even back then. So yep. I just and I just wanted to say, if you're really thinking about it, because uh, when when I say I mean slavery, I guess see he didn't he didn't pre qualify, but I'm, I'm gonna just state what we're talking about when it comes to like black Hispanic, Native American people, uh, you know, so called Hispanic and Native American people first went into slavery around like 722 BC under the Assyrian Empire, yep. right? So that's that's the true beginning of slavery. And since then, we haven't, I mean, we had, you know, we had the period of the Dark Ages where we ruled the earth. But then when we look at the modern age and uh, we're looking at like the empire of Caucasians and European people. Black people, well, black and brown people have ruled the earth on three separate occasions. What? During the time of the Kings. Okay. During the Moors. Okay. In Genesis. Right. Time of Adam. Yes. Technically, no, it's well, I'm a, I'm a no, guy. I, don't, I don't think so. Y'all yeah. know we was yeah. kicked out of the we was kicked out of the garden. But yeah, no, during the time of King Solomon, black so-called black Hispanic Native American people, we ruled the earth. During the time of Adam, and then during the time of the Dark Ages, we ruled the earth. And like we ruled the earth, but we wasn't like ruling like China and stuff. No, so, so uh, uh, say say more because you said like so-called black Native American indigenous people. Say what you mean by that. Talk about what you mean. Ooh. So that was funny. So, <laughs> you want to go into this? Or can I? 
I mean, well, well, what we mean by so-called Black, Hispanic, or so-called Black, Indigenous, Native Americans, these are all by words that was given to our people. Yes. So going into that context, you got to understand, we're the only people on the planet that have been pushed away from our God-given names. Even like you go to the Arab countries and the Chinese, they, they have their names from thousands and thousands of years from the yes. Muslims, the Mohammeds, the, they have their names that they was given to them. We're the only people on the planet that cannot trace back our heads to do the colonialization, conquering and enslavement of what we've been through these last past four to five hundred years in America. Five hundred years. And yeah, so going into what Elijah's talking about, like if you look at, you know, whether your name be Johnson, Rivera, Hernandez, um, um, Kennard Buford, um, thank you, Red Eagle. Hey, you told on yourself. Red Eagle, Red Feather. These are all <laughs> names that were given to us by the people who came and colonized us yes. and enslaved us. So we have we have slave owner names. But if we look back, um, going back into the time of antiquity, we're, we, you know, looking back at the people, because I don't know how you, you ever read the Bible. I, a little bit, a little bit, but I haven't studied it. I haven't, I've read it a I've, little I've bit, studied but I haven't pieces, studied it. I've studied parts of it, but uh, never a dedicated study. So, yeah, so what, what I like to consider myself is as an ethnotheologist, yes. so the study of people through the Bible. And yes. we can trace back based on the different different prophecies and the way uh, history works in different records that Black people, Hispanic people, Native Americans have their, their origins in the land of Israel. You know, going back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, even as uh, Elijah said, going back to Adam. So, yeah. so-called is like, yeah, like you said, these are bywords. Really, we yeah. Israel. That's why I asked you whether like you identify as Mexican because you would yep. be like you'd be an Israelite from the tribe of Issachar. Yes. So right. the, the, one um, of the one of the uh, very specific tribes to certain uh, groups of folks around the planet, right? Yeah. And if you were like Puerto Rican, you'd be from the tribe of Ephraim. If you'd be yes. uh, Native American, you'd be from the tribe of Gad. We are brothers and sisters because we've all been colonized and gone through the same. Uh, we've gone uh, atrocities and malignities. Yes. But and when it comes down to it, we all come back to a, a common ancestor. Exactly. That's, That's why when you go to, to Central America and South America, places like Machu Picchu or uh, the place where um, the Aztecs were, Mayans. The Olmecs. The Olmecs. The Yucatan. Man, you see a bunch of, uh, yeah. of, of, of pictures, artifacts, um, uh, and pyramids that are clearly a, a straight resemblance of the time periods of when we were in Egypt. Egypt, or they look yeah. like uh, the ziggurats in Babylon. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think it's yeah, I've always made that connection for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, my, so, my, so my ancestors... Um, on on my dad's side are indigenous people kind of like as you mentioned um my grandmother was a sapotec indian who i don't she passed away when i was six so i didn't really ever get to know her um but conversations with family later on suggest to me that she never even spoke spanish like lived her whole life in mexico didn't really speak spanish like spoke her native languages and so mm. as i was researching just like just like images in some of the areas in in the state of Oaxaca where my grandmother was from um the traditional clothing of the Zapotec people um it's it's indistinguishable from African and Arabic like traditional clothing the head wraps the the shawls the the linens and all that kind of stuff so you saw that yeah you see it all and so um, so, uh, real quick, we're, we're going to say who we got with us this evening, um, for, for the audience that is kind of wondering, wait, did, did I just kind of 
stumble into a conversation. Uh, yes, you did. We have uh, the two brothers from Young Activists, Hasidiah and Elijah here with us. Um, and and y'all, y'all are track three. Three, Kev? Yes. Hey, you know, the third track is always the best track. That's the history. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's, track, that's the one you're waiting for. Track OB three of, uh, of the Revolution <laughs> Summer mixtape when we are finding voices that we haven't heard enough from. And, you know, this yes. seems to be, Kev, this seems to be a summer of youth, right. man. This seems to be a summer it's, of It of should be. It yeah. should be a summer of youth every summer. Like, we had a chance Ooh. to talk to some young activists, small YA, last year. Um, but you know, when, when Hasadai, when you reached out, like in just a conversation and watching what you all do on the young activist podcast, which you need to check out on YouTube, check it out. Um, it was, this, all this, dream. it was all a dream. This is uh, yeah, it was all a podcast. dream part. Is that part four that just came out? Yeah, we did episode four last night. Episode four just came out. So can't get wait on it. Get on it. While it's, while it's brand new, get on it. It's so, hot. so this, this is great. And, and we're going to, we're going to just have a conversation here because this is a time where old guys like me and Kev gotta gotta listen to some youngsters and really learn uh, from the wisdom they're they're dropping. So welcome to the show, fellas. Thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. And I, I just want to say I think this is actually a kind of conversation I had with my young people the other day. I feel like in the Black and Hispanic community, we have a big problem with respecting our elders. We do not. We do. There's a you know I don't know if you've ever read the Willie Lynch letter. But uh, in slavery, a big thing they did from us to divide us was divide dark skin from light skin, man from woman, yeah. but also in age group, dividing yeah. the young from the old. So oftentimes we don't give enough respect. Like, like y'all were saying, I, we appreciate y'all allowing us this, you know, opportunity to come on and speak and, you know, present our message. But at the same time, we appreciate y'all because y'all been doing the work to get to Thank this you. level for us to converge. So you just want to, you know, big shouts. Also, two, two dope boys. The two dope boys reference is hilarious because I used to <laughs> There we go. Not, not we very go. many people catch it either. Not very many, many people catch it. I was like, oh, yeah. They're, they're, as soon as you told me about it up in Boulder, I was like, you, you guys are doing a two dope boys reference? <laughs> <laughs> like back to the podcast, but also like two dope boys in a Cadillac. Like, yep. There's, I yep. mean, there's so much, right? There's so much. There's so much. This, this, was, this was Kevin. Kevin uh, came up with the name. We don't want to disillusion anybody out there, but Kevin came up with it. No, and I, th I think it works both ways, too, though. Like, Kevin and I have been in education uh, a combined no, nearly 40 years between the two of us teaching uh, young people. And there's a lot of adults who don't give respect to youth. We are, you know, we as adults are condescending, we're patronizing. Oh, we, sure. we say to young people, oh, you have these really idealistic things, but wait till you're older, you're gonna really settle down and that kind of thing. And I'm here to tell y'all like, don't settle down. Like, I, I feel like I've gotten even more radical as an older person because now in my forties, the things I suspected as a young person, I'm like, it's just the truth now. Like I don't have any doubt and I don't care who knows it. So, uh, so we, we want to also, um, you know, name that young people don't get respect, particularly young black and brown people don't get respected. That's by right. Adults, nobody so. damn what a young black man got to say. That's right. They should be listening. They should be Actually, listening. I, 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 we say young black man. I know we know Hispanic yep. people, black as well, but like young Mexicans don't get no love. That's it. That's it. Especially about civil, civil, uh, civil oppression they go through. They, no one cares about Mexican Hispanic issues in general. Like they can be getting beat by police officers. No one's gonna say nothing. But if a black man does, 
you see us in an uproar. But that just shows you the you're just young, black, and angry. Yeah, it just shows you, it just shows you the different ways in which they oppress us. What they do with yeah. the Hispanic community is they know that the Ebola is 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 Ebola, it. not Ebola. That's a disease, bro. <laughs> Ebola, Ebola. Uh, is is an immigrant, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they could potentially, you know, deport it back to Mexico or wherever. Yeah. So, you know, they have to stay more quiet. That's why they're always in the back of the class or they ain't raising their hand as much in the classroom That's as right. opposed to when it comes to the black uh, America, you know, we denizens to America. You, you know, can't you can't ship us yeah. nowhere. Yeah, we can't. We here. We like, stuck. So like, you won't take me to prison anyways. I'm gonna say something. We're prisoners of war, so we we act up anyway. Which is the difference yeah, between the the certain perks and quote unquote oppressive privileges that uh, separates Black America versus Brown America. Yeah. And I believe that's a big thing that we need to be able to create a consolidation on after in Black and Brown America is we got to be a voice for the voiceless. And that's something we don't do often when it comes to our brown brothers and sisters because they're a little lighter and a little whiter. So we believe we ain't the same. You know what I'm saying? And we need to create, uh, we need to stop creating that stigma within our communities. My, I mean, uh, you know, as an educator and working with young people, some of my, like, because I worked at Bruce Randolph a good portion of my time educating. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's in uh, Elyria Swansea, which is a predominantly yep. Mexican, El Salvadorian, you know, yep. Central American. Right uh, down the street from where I live, but yeah. Yep. Well, you live in the hood, bro. You might actually might not live in the hood. I don't live. I don't live in the hood. I live on the edge of the hood, so you know. You, you know north, how it is over here. North or south of Bruce Randolph? I, I live. I live south of Bruce Randolph. South. South. So oh, you live by white folk. Never mind. I live by the white folk. Shit, <laughs> I'm trying to build home value, bro. <laughs> I need to retire What's, one day. What, what, what was in the, the, the OJ equity? Shit. <laughs> He's trying to build credit. Credit. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can't. I can't. I can't talk. I'm like, you know, I'm. I'm. I'm south of Bruce Randolph, technically, but I'm also way northeast in Northfield, the field to the north, where we are. <laughs> that's a super white community. That's Stapleton. You know, that's named after. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we, we always. Yeah. We. I mean. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, You're not wrong. Downing is named after Clement. Most of the streets and stuff are named after Clement. Evans, the Clem- Evans, is, Evans yep. is named after an Indian killer. Uh, there was a street Indian killer. killer. Damn. You know? Yeah. John Evans, Governor John yes. Evans. Uh, yeah. He was in power when uh, the Sand Creek Massacre Creek happened. Massacre happened. Yep. Um, and he was the one who was yep. who was instigating people to come 100%. out and kill the Cheyennes. Like, yeah, yep. it's a trip. It's. I mean, that's the thing. You start looking oh, around. Yeah. I- I actually just learned this um last Thursday. They so after that massacre, yes. after they did that, they yes. took genitals yes. of the native people <clears throat> paraded down the street in yep. Denver. Yep. Right downtown. Right yep. by the Tabor Center. Right, right by, by the Tabor, Tabor Center. Center. <laughs> so, so what, what's the difference there between that and when a when a brother was lynched and exactly. they would cut off his genitals and make yeah. coin pieces? Yeah. Yeah. It tells yeah. you. It tells you, but how's that? Go ahead and keep talking about your experience and what you learned at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce Randolph. Bruce Randolph. No, I, I was just gonna say my my biggest thing was working with the young young Mexican brothers because um helping them to understand you know where they could be at uh in building for their community because a lot of them a lot of times young you know Hispanic so called Hispanic brothers fall into the same traps that young. Yep. Black men do. Yep. I'll play ball and I'm a rap. Yep. But it, it, it'd be even worse because they oftentimes uh, Hispanic fathers be in the house, but you, they see their fathers, they are constantly working yep. and never enjoying yep. their family. Yep. Yep. 
And it, that'd be cold as hell to me. So trying to get them to understand, you know, have a plan B, have a plan C. Do not put all your um all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, I was gonna say all your desires into chasing these the American dreams. See, the yeah. I think yeah. I really consider playing sports to be an entertainer is like playing the lottery. And I think we need to really create a comparison with that 100%. with our young children. Because we try to, you know, we, we always try to sell a dream to them. Like, they can do whatever they want to. Sure, in, in theory, that works, right? Yeah. And we were just talking about that. But those are those are, those are are different worlds in which it's almost like playing the lottery in contests. Because, yeah. you know, I think it, you, you're more likely to get struck by lightning twice to make it to the NFL. So if you're 180 pounds soaking wet, bro, you're not making it. Let's just be real. So let's actually look at your tangible, realistic talents that you have that you can actually attack and tackle right, to right. be able to actually end up doing something. And let's say you still want to go into athletics and be invested in football or basketball. Yeah. How about let's try to create you to be like a lobbyist or like a coach or um, an agent, a lawyer or an agent or a lawyer. Or There's a, a lot to it. There's a yes. lot to it. Exactly. Yeah, because I, I think of the NBA, right? I grew up. I grew up like right there between Whittier and five points, like 30th and Humboldt. So, you know, um, there's a basketball group, there's a cage right behind my house. And so you talk about the NBA and rosters have 12 players, like 12. That's it. 15. 15. 15. Yeah. 15 uh, this year because of, you know, the, the, so the Nuggets had 17 players on the roster, right? Yeah, but like realistically about maybe nine to 12 play, you know, nine yep. really play. Yep. 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 And yep. then the playoffs, it's like seven or eight, right? Exactly. And it's like, so, so it, it gets constricted. But to your point, there's a lot of, there are a lot of positions that power a sports franchise that, yep. you know, you've got your trainers, you've got, you know, all these folks working, you know, in the front office and all that kind of thing. And yep. so, yeah, I, I, I like what you said. And it's like the, it's like the, um, it's like, you know, that that's something I've tried to bring into my classroom is to, is to teach my students. They're exactly the human beings they're supposed to be. Like they may not have all the skills. They may not know everything it takes to get to where they want to go, but they have personalities and they have passions and they have things they care about and they have things that things that they learned about happy. from their fam family the, yeah, ancestral they got knowledge cultural yeah. knowledge that's been passed down generation so to, generation. to your point it's about finding that brilliance right and goldie muhammad writes about this right Find, finding that brilliance and and helping them to shine through it sure. my, my my only problem with that is and i'm just speaking from my own experience yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. i understand as a young person um developing your identity is hard especially when America brainwashes you to believe that Period. you as a young black man uh, are only built to entertain, entertain yep. white America. And that, uh, you know, if you're not getting the proper love, like you ain't got a father in the house, you're not getting, you know, you, 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 you like honey. So you're not really getting the girls like you want. You in a weird, you know, you poor, you might be, you know, dealing with yep. you know, housing insecurity, food insecurity, things of that nature. Your mind is going to be geared to getting the bag and you're going to get that bag in one of three ways you are either going to do it uh with music or entertainment sports or or crime or a hustle. So i think or, huh or a hustle a crime hustle yeah because a hustle could be positive like this right yeah here. it could be positive it could be positive you're right you're right you're right you're right the man to my left is my hustle there you go there you go there we go but yeah the thing is we need to do a better job. And I think brothers like you, brothers like the young activists, do a great job of providing that the um the imagery 
that is needed to push to the Black, Hispanic, and Native American community on what you know a positive Black, Black or Hispanic role model looks like. What what we as men can you know ascertain to be. Yep. Because yep. a Black teacher is important. That's really the, what the only reason why I kept doing my job for as long as I did. Because in my mind, I was like, damn. These kids deal with these white, these Karen ass teachers yes. who talk about it. Them. Yeah. And the way, because I, I remember one time I walked into the school and I don't know what this one lady, she talked to me crazy. She read me for filth. She, she ooh, the way she talked yeah. to me, I was like, hey, it's a good thing I got these fringes on because I'll beat your ass. You, <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, you know, the crazy yes. part is, is um, Tom, because I teach a lot of young black, black kids especially yeah, in particular yeah. and teach them about positive propaganda and one thing i really realized and luckily i have the free will to speak my mind in the environment i'm in teaching but america especially the educational field and dps is allergic to masculinity of color they don't want to see black masculinity in the school system at all because i think that's one of the biggest things that is lacking with our young black and brown kids why do you think they fight so much why do you think that they're over here getting in trouble, uh, having erected before they turn 18? The reason they in all these positions is because all they have around them is emotion. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I'm not trying to demoralize it's anybody the- in particular, but when you're only thinking emotionally and not rationally, it's hard yeah. for you to make the right decisions right yeah. then and there. So then yeah. what happens is that 13 second action that you just did to get your ass suspended or get a yep. police record got you a 13 yep. year problem yes the yes. thing is and the, i'm gonna speak on it the thing is social emotional learning the way it's uh the way it's a tool and but the way it's implemented in public schools is as a as a tool of white supremacy as to check these kids and keep them in control the way the way i've branded it towards the young people i work with is you control yourself <laughs> Don't worry about them controlling you. You control yourself. You get an understanding of, okay, I feel this way. Why do I feel this way? Well, I feel this way because of this. Now, because I feel this way, I can react like this or this, or I can be like, all right, let me sit back. Let me chill. Let me calculate the way to move. And so that's the proper way to teach social emotional learning, like Elijah was saying, to young black and brown kids. But, you know, that, that again goes into the need of, black hispanic and native american male education professionals and that's this also goes into not just having them as professionals in your school but the extreme um contractual agreements that counselors have with students like for example we know because i'm in the educational field um if a counselor is counseling a student they say something that's going on in what is deemed to be um abusive according to white American standards of parenting. Yes. Guess what happens? Social services. Man, down mandatory. No matter what, what, tell them, the no matter what yeah. the trust is with, with the student, no matter what happened. And we understand we've all probably experienced some yeah. form of trauma within our family as black and yes. brown people. We all have as yes. children yes. all that. And we yes. understand that the shit can be healed over time. But the yes. thing is, is during that time period, white, white, white Sally doesn't understand that Sally. she's, she's Lucy. Uh, Lucy because it's short for <laughs> Lucifer. Woo! Oh, why no. Lucy don't understand that she's setting her children this ch- uh these children up for failure now they're in a situation to where they ain't got no parental guidance at all and I it, it just it, it really it really just baffles me on 
you know, why we're set up to be in a trap no matter where we're going in the, in the educational field. You can, yeah. you really cannot trust nobody. You're more That's likely true. to trust your only black school teacher who's like the fucking gym teacher or, yeah. you know, the opening teacher of the, of the, or the janitor. Yep, 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 yep. That's the yep. person you got to go to the because that's the only one. Who, who at least it comes and gets you every time you get kicked out of class. Yep. And they yeah. have that conversation. That sometimes that the only was just talk talking to. about yeah. with you. They're like, what's up? How, why you feel like that? Why you swing on so-and-so, you know, what's going yeah. on? And they really? actually, at times, have more knowledge of the kid yep. than the teachers who are supposed to be teaching. Well, what, wasn't, that, of- wasn't that the, that was kind of the interesting um, pushback that I started hearing after Denver Public Schools took school resources op- officers out of schools. There were a couple of schools where literally the only person, like adult of color in the building was the resource officer. That's and, and you know, obviously, the 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 question of a law enforcement presence, the the carceral ethic of schooling, which is really problematic anyway. But like, it's complex. But in in yeah, some of these cases, that, that's right. Um, but but in some of these cases that you heard, that there wasn't a very intelligent conversation that happened, where it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, this this black male that you now just took his job um, is not there as a mentor that, to a lot of these children. That creates a conflict of interest because yeah. that just shows you that it's built off of rapport. It's built off relationship with the students. It's not the 100%. T- you know what I'm saying? So in reality, you can rehire this individual, put him in part-time as, you That's know, the true. person yep. allows the allows the kids to be mentored by him or whatever as an after-school extracurricular activity. That's yeah. the thing. It's not, it's not the title. And we always confuse the title yeah. with the people. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's, that's under- right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's bullshit. That's why we need to, in my personal opinion, I feel like when we're, when we're talking about like school resources for mentoring, I think they should put one older lady inside of schools, like one older black or brown lady. The reason I say that is because yes. they, they keep the immature ass little girls in line who are acting crazy <clears throat> in school. And I think you should put one older black man or one younger black man for the, for the, for the disciplinary act. You, you know go. what I'm saying? The reason I say that is because if you do something like that in all schools, you'll see the the you'll see the uh, the countenance and the the mentality of a lot of children change because we have that natural morality and respect for older individuals who understand what's right. You know what I'm saying? Like for example, I know y'all know this is like a big huge trend on social media right now. It's a little bit off top, but it's on top. You oh, know, this, like these little girls out here wearing bonnets in public. You know what I'm saying? Oh yes, this, this, yes, right. yes. You know what I'm saying? Right, what? Bro, you lucky because yesterday I wanted to get on y'all and to be like, you got a male bonnet out there. Oh, uh, <laughs> you lucky. I wanted to do you in front of everybody. Uh, but I was like, no, nah, I wouldn't. But, but, didn't but you know what I'm saying? And even then, you know, that you can look at that as hypocrisy to a degree and I own that. But overall, though, you know, she came to work with that, like teaching the students. And holy you know, shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> so, you know, Cause you know, like we live in a world, we live in a world where it, you could basically wear whatever you want. And it's acceptable. Yeah. Whether that's good or bad or morally, no matter how you feel about it, the older black lady who works with us was just like, "Yo, bro, like that's inappropriate." That's you, you can't do that. If you don't come out like that to to school. This is your yeah. work. How the how the kids dress more professional than you? So that's I, what I'm saying. And yeah. And the thing is, again, I, I'm a hypocrite on this too, because I'll if I'm coming from a workout, I'm gonna wear my do rag in the grocery store, and I don't give a damn what nobody say. You're at the store. Like rag. <laughs> um, I think it goes. I, I I don't think the solution is to have one or two black people in a PWI. <laughs> it's not a solution. I'm that's, just saying, that's kind of overseer. <laughs> well, I'm um, saying that's the overseer. 
because you got to understand there's something tangible in a white supremacist system. You could at least give, um, um, you know, something to, to, to one of us to be able to give a mentor guide to our children of color. Because, you know, 75% of uh, DPS is black and brown, you know, yes, so yes. predominantly Hispanic. So when you go into that context of um, you go into that context of Denver public schools alone, how 75 percent of the children black and brown. But 80 percent of the teachers are white. white, white that's the most that's the most opposite you could possibly be. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so, you wonder why there's a fucking problem. I mean, a problem. Excuse my language. Right? You, know, <laughs> you, good. you good. You talk passionately. It's all good. It's all good. Hey, I would rather. Really, well, I don't know. Can you say that problem? I mean, hey, wait, we'll, we'll see if we get a letter from the FCC. If we get a five, we'll send it to y'all. I got a letter from the government. It said they were some suckers. They wanted me for the army or whatever. Damn, I said never. So, I mean, I love what y'all are saying. And I host a podcast um, with uh, besides Asia one. Lions, another <laughs> podcast. I'm, I'm I'm all over. Are you giving but, us the invite to that one too? Yes. Yeah. Well, no, y'all got to. Here's what you have to do. So you got to lose your podcast. job first. You have to, <laughs> you you have have to say I'm not first. being a teacher anymore, right? <laughs> and so, like, it's, again? it's 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 called the exit interview, and it's for black educators who have left the profession. Who are who like, been, I'm done. On, I'm fed up. I've had enough. I've been forced, been forced out. out. Or, or, or we can't always say forced out because some of them had like a, a a a calling from the creator that let them know <laughs> that it was one. time for them to leave. <laughs> I like they, some some just came to their senses and said, I can't deal with this. Yeah. But 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 when I when I I think about y'all, you know, as like I said, I'm 43. And eventually you start looking at what what happens, right? What happens? And I've stayed here and my co-host, Asia Lyons, big shout out to Asia. You know, her perspective is like black teachers should leave. She's like, yo, split. Get out of there. It, it, evacuate. But what are your thoughts about what is your thoughts about that? Like black educators and, and just like what she talks about is racial battle, battle fatigue is one of the big things. And it's this idea that, you know, as a black educator, you are consistently fighting a fight, right? No matter what. So it, it could be about, you know, the students, right? And I got to defend students constantly. We've all been in these meetings where they're like, well, if these kids would do this and if these kids acted this way and, you know, and you got to be the voice, you're sitting in PD and sometimes at schools, you know, you're the only one in the school. You got to stand up and say all this stuff or they're coming to you, you know, on the other end saying, well, what should we do about the Black Excellence Plan? How do we, what do we do about this? You, How about we don't call it the Black Excellence Yeah, yeah that's what, that's what, right off the bat, that bugged me, but whatever. That's not what Martin Luther King died for. I said, I told him, I said, you know what, you know who taught me about Black Excellence? Janet and Eula Adams, every day they raised me in my life. That's who taught me about black excellence. My mama and my daddy, every day when I watched them do what they had to do, go through, raise me the way they did. And, and stress, y'all don't know what has been stressed in my house about education and the values of, of so, the type of person I need to be. When, and I've raised when, it in every meeting I've been in in DPS. I'm like, why y'all calling it the black excellence? Y'all don't even know what black excellence means. I'll tell you what I thought it was like when, when, so I grew up in like in the five points area. And so for me, when they said black excellence plan, I, I just thought they were going to start putting up posters of highly accomplished African-American people. Cause that's how it was like in all the black owned <laughs> businesses, they'd be like, look, 
black excellence right here and that was like oh so we're gonna put up posters cool all right i'm down whatever <laughs> like and then they started explaining and i'm like oh that's i'm not sure y'all know what what how, how'd they explain it because i don't know what the hell you're talking about they said it's whatever we make it I'll, I'll tell you they're telling you like oh i don't know anything about black people so help us schools, help us schools, schools. here's what they said schools you have to develop a black excellence plan a plan for your black students what does that mean? Well, it's a plan to address gaps, right? Well, is that really what black excellence is about? And are the gaps related to some sort of deficiency of black students and black children Bro. in this country? Or are the gaps related to a systematic- What the hell? You, yeah, yeah, so this is what they that, said. Exactly and then they said all the schools throughout the district have <laughs> to develop these black excellence plans. Yeah. And, and so- A plus B equals C. Dude, oh my gosh, so okay. <laughs> can I, can I, can A squared plus B squared equals C squared, brother. We're going into the Pythagorean theorem. Dude, it's so simple. I'll, I'll give you a solution. I'll give you a solution to improve DPS. We don't need to have no more sit-downs. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, you know one thing that really pisses me off about DPS? I'm known this since no, I was you, say, you know it really grinds my gears. You know it really grinds my gears? It grinds my gears. <laughs> yes, let's hear All right, so. All right. You know, All right. Let's get it. Yeah, you know how uh, uh, so in schools, right? If you have bad testing scores and you're a predominantly black uh, black school, you you get lack of resources the next year because your test scores are really bad. That's it. That's right. You know, um, but if you're at a white school, for example, East High School, for example, your your test scores are extraordinary. You you're in the green. You're in the green color boat. Yes. If you have extraordinary test scores, that means you get additional resources as a reward that DPS gives you, right? So now let's flip that. If you really are about equity and equality in your schools, bro, like you say you are, let us get the first round pick, bro. No, <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah, you got the niggas winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, yeah but like, hey, good job. For doing so good, we should get this highly recruited alignment in Alabama. You get an additional $100,000 every year as opposed to this kid, this school that clearly needs it. If you're talking about creating equity, give it to the black, give the money to the black students. That's why I'm just like, nowadays, I tell my nieces and nephews, I'm like, bro, if you are really talented at something and you making a lot, you making more money than your parents, drop the fuck out of school. Cause I'm like, bro, as long as you're doing what you, bro, you don't need education. I'm gonna be real with you. This school system designed to keep us oppressed. Like you don't need it in order to succeed in modern, in modern America. You know what I'm saying? The two richest people in America right now do not go to college to be billionaires. Right, That's the dude, dude who shot himself into space yesterday, he didn't graduate from high school. I'm pretty sure. I mean, no, I, they, they kind of started off this. with some other advantages. Like <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Like people talk but, about Bill but, Gates being a college dropout. I'm like, uh, Bill Gates had a lot of money. <laughs> you know, he didn't make that all himself. <laughs> nah, like we understand that it's privileges when it comes to white yeah, money. Yeah. But but money. you're right though, because I think there is a really profound level of alienation between the world that we educate for and the world that our young people are living in. Right. So you look at these and, you know, my my favorite student is a student who raises their hand and, and is like, what's the purpose of any of this? Because they're actually because they're actually because I, I get off track. I'm, I'm state teacher of the year, but I get off track, you know, so I get off track. But those are the students who are like, I want to know that what I am 
like the time I'm spending with you is actually going to get me somewhere. And if it doesn't get me anywhere, it, it is frustrating to me. Right. So it's that kind of like, and I, and I'll, and I'll pause. I'll be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing a great job of connecting this to things that you care about right now. So let's, you know, let's take a look at it. Um, let, let's talk about this work that y'all are doing though. Like, so young, young activists tell us what, you know, how, like, to have young activists out here in general is amazing. And it took me until I was probably in my thirties to kind of like find a voice and to really trust that voice. How are y'all doing this great work so young? And how did that, how did that come to life for you? Um, well, you know, the funny thing is, right. I liked YouTube a lot when I was a kid and, um, you know, I, I understood who I was at a young age, about 16, 15 years old, who I was that black and brown Hispanic people, um, were, you know, the most amazing people on the planet. And we've been around since the beginning. We, we've just been lost in time due to the, uh, the, the ignorance that white people has poisoned our community with. And so with that, you know, when I really understood who I was and that I held value, it allowed me to excel in school. Like I'm a typical traditional normie student. Like I, I was playing normie? For, real talk, the JV student. <laughs> Yeah, a JV student playing football. I had a 1.7 GPA. I thought I was going to make it to the NFL, NBA. And then what happened is when my dad actually picked me up, which is why I'm a very big advocate for black and brown fathers, because yeah. I believe that if more black and brown fathers was in kids' lives, depending on the situation, you would see a lot more excel in school, especially if they invested in their children. Um, but even with that, I, I went. Uh, I ended up going to Manual from Overland. I went to Che. I was in Che Creek District. I'm yes. from Aurora. Hey, Cole. Yeah, I'm from I'm from Aiko. Sorry, see, he's hey, from the world too. Hey, Cole. Represent. Yeah. Thunderbolts. I graduated from Manual High School. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so I went to Overland originally, and I transferred to Manual intentionally. I was going to go to East, but I was like, man, I want to play football. So now I went to Manual, uh, played football for a year, and I was just like, bro, I don't like football anymore. This is slavery. I was like, seriously, yeah, like, yeah. this, I can't play this sport. You know what I'm saying? So um, I ended up dropping football my senior year and I ended up getting like a 4.2 GPA from like my 1.7 GPA. And then I ended up joining the speech and debate team. So then when I joined the speech and debate team, um, I started like seeing that I was really good at speaking, like abnormally good. And um, I was like getting like first place in city championships and all that, just straight off the dome, no practice, what like just going in there and straight bullshit and it worked. And um, <laughs> And it, and then like you know through that I started getting recognition in the city started getting invited to like clubs and stuff because I was one of those XL black token kids that they wanted in all the organizations. Yep. Um, like we created this organization <laughs> in school called Y'all Young African American Latino Students. Yes. And yep. um, yeah, it got like I think like that's what I think we first met you. Yeah. yeah. I think I think when you were with y'all. Yeah, I was I like, feel like I feel like you were yes. debating in uh, Urban Debate League, right? Yeah, do you do that's, that's where I saw you first? Oh, that's what? Where I saw you first because I was because I coached the DCIS team like when we first started, we were brand new, and uh, and I remember that manual team. I still have that long sleeve collared like polo shirt, <laughs> and I was, I was basically coach gave me, yeah, that's that's where I saw you first, yeah. yeah I, I was basically like, I was the only manual, yeah. no, no disrespect, just killing, I was carrying yep, my team. Yep. Like straight up, and he's like, "Yeah, that's hundred percent true." 
No, that's what I heard. <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> no, but I it was real. I didn't observe. Humble, brother. No, it was Good real. Job. During that time period. <laughs> okay, anyways. So, so basically, um, during that time period, I just loved speech and debate. I wish I could. I, I should have went to school to be a, an attorney if I, if I learned younger. But um, that's super fair. Anyways, um, when I was after that, like I ended up like graduating high school. I was like one student leader of the year and stuff. And then um, after I graduated high school, I was just like, man, I want to make YouTube. And so I was actually going to make uh, this thing called Young Activist Reacts. And so the original uh, Young Activist idea was just basically to react to a bunch of different things on YouTube and stuff like that. But my activism kept growing. I actually ended up going on a tour with David Banner and a couple other individuals. All right. Yeah, right all across in. New York right and Chicago, Detroit, they mentored me a lot and like yes. helped my my speaking get to the next level. Yes. And they gave me a lot of business ideas and helping me understand like how to advocate for myself and my city. So then I took all that information back. I brought it here and, um, you know, Young Activists got big. I started getting like millions of views on Facebook and stuff. And um, through that, you know what I'm saying? Me and Hasidai basically been riding with each other ever since I pretty much been out of high school. Um because uh, in high school, you know, I was, I was, you know, getting through it. So that's basically the story. And now we here. Yeah, that's, that's dope. That's, that's dope. I mean, just, just like the, the, the confidence to just say, this is what we're doing. And uh, this is how we're going to engage the work um, is, is amazing. Can't be looking for the show. And we're not going to change it. And I was called young activist when I was in school too. A lot of people uh, said that in school. I always got these um these comparisons like Malcolm X, of course, because yes. I'm super mm-hmm. black radical. Yes, and yeah, right. <laughs> New and Black Panther, all that. So I got a lot of those comparisons in school. So um I actually went to school with Tay Anderson. Like yes. me and he graduated the yeah. same year. And yeah. so a lot of times people compare me to like Malcolm X and then him to Martin Luther King. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I love that you laugh at that. I love that you laugh at. <laughs> I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I'm letting you ask what they said, though, all the time in school. <laughs> I, I would see Tay more as like a, a Jesse Jackson type figure. No, okay. I'm right. like, don't take that for what it is. W.E.B. the boy. Nah, there's somebody else who's W. I ain't cool as W.E.B. the boy. Yeah, ain't cool. You don't rock with W.E.B. I mean, my, so my, my my family, or the, we organized for uh, for Jesse Jackson in 88. And so... Uh, Coalition. So it's the Rainbow Coalition. That's right. And like that was really interesting because, again, we were the only non-black family on our block. And uh, and just the vibe around around Jesse Jackson, 87, 88, when I was in middle school, that was really that was really impactful for me. It's like, oh, wait a minute. So like engaging in community organizing, like you can actually people actually feel this stuff. I was young. I didn't really understand it. Um, but it's like, no, man, people, when people believe something can happen, like that's, that's amazing. And watching, uh, watching Reverend Jackson's career trajectory has been interesting. Like, I think we all, we all age, I suppose. Um, They're both snitches. That's not a joke. Slightly that's not a joke. Yeah. I, oh, I, I hear you. You know, Listen. we don't. We know what our, the laughter out. isn't because we think we're jo- you're we joking. We know what our community, it's... you know, we know who benefits at the after Dr. King is assassinated. But Hasadai, so so what's your story? Did y'all grow up together? Did you how did you get involved? I don't know this. In the, <laughs> huh? I said, I don't know this nigga. <laughs> I don't know. He just showed up. 
You don't know. I reckon he can't just, tell you. He, he just started answering my emails. I don't know. <laughs> well, he wanted to raise. I'm the reason you got to raise. Oh. There we go. Oh. I'm just playing. I'm just giving it all that time. Um, I mean, I was a. I mean, the man, the man that I used to be, he was a uh, a struggle rapper. <laughs> a struggle rapper. Struggle all right, rapper. let's go. Like doing something you shouldn't. Oh, this Damn, We all got a pass. We all got a pass. We all come from someplace. We all go in someplace. You going? You ain't shit. Um, the man that I was was a struggle rapper. Uh, did something he shouldn't. Language. A struggle rapper or shouldn't? No, you said shit. I said you shouldn't. Said you said shouldn't. You said shouldn't. You said shit. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know that ended up with me and coming to like Elijah said an understanding of who I truly am and what I need to be doing, which uh, brought me to his dad's house where I was staying, renting a room. And, uh, you know, just building with Elijah, seeing Elijah's development, I was just like, I had a I had a thought back to like when I was rapping um, and I had me a little collective or whatever, but we all wanted to be that nigga. Everybody yeah. wanted to be the, the HNIC, the head nigga in charge. Yeah. But when, you know, after like having a conversation with his dad and really thinking about it, it's like the way you win is you find the one man who really does it and you put him on, you push him. That's how bad boy got hot. You push Biggie, <laughs> then Craig Mack, then, then Lil, Lil Kim, then Lil Cease. That's right. You feel me? It's going to be a great Remember? top five at the end, too. Then Wayne, then Drake, then, Drake, then Nikki, yep. then Tiger, yep. and then the rest of the, that struggle bus. Right? So that's how that's how, that's how old school <laughs> rap. Throw. They push Pac. No, nah, well, technically, Death Row was first. It was Man, Snoop and Dre were big before Pac was really making noise. That's right. Yeah, but I'm a historian. Look who you're talking to. You, <laughs> you humble. I'm a 90s rap casual. Sit down. You're, yeah, you're a normie. Casualty. <laughs> I'm a 90s rap You're a casual. You're a normie. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely Gen Z rap. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, I can't wait to do this list right now. Oh, that's going to be a great list. It's that's going to be a great list. I could have thought it was about five. I was like, oh, the blasphemes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a 90s casual. I'm not going to lie to you guys, okay? I like go. 90s R&B better than 90s rap. Hey, we'll yep, take no, it. We'll take not it. Not the first one. We, we've definitely come across that a little bit. And, and for me, like... Talk about rock instead. Rock. <laughs> rock instead. Nirvana. Nirvana. Um, Nirvana. Yeah, it's good stuff. I, I, uh, me, so I, I like to say that me and hip-hop grew up together. We're about the same age. Uh, hip-hop may be a little bit older. But um, okay. but it's interesting how my how my like tastes have changed by by the moment that I'm living in and you know what what's kind of like resonating with me. But um, but yeah, it's are, you saying, great. are you saying that you met this girl when you were like three years old? That's what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's exactly what that's I'm saying. So much so, she says, so much so. <laughs> I know you don't know me. Um, <laughs> So just, you know, you know, understanding like what it takes to like push a successful act. I, you know, I took, you know, my understanding of how like how to entertain black folk, <laughs> how to entertain people in general. Because when I was a, when I was the man that I was before, I was a staunch white supremacist. Yes. You know? I, I believe strongly in the American way. I loved it, in fact. Yeah. You know, I was a very strong white supremacist. But um, Who just, isn't? I'm not I mean, anymore. I'm no longer a white supremacist. 
Do you want to say that? To the- <laughs> I, 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 I am no longer a <laughs> white supremacy <laughs> anonymous. White supremacy anonymous. We go to meetings. No, but I think I think you know. Hi, my name is my name is my name is a, a young activist, and I'm a white supremacist. And I'm no longer a white supremacist. Hi, young activist. Oh man, man, I just had an urge to watch. I just had a NASCAR <laughs> drink. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, no, with a white woman. Got to go through your steps. Oh man, I found myself listening to uh, Miley Cyrus the other day. Bro, Taylor's friend. Are you watching just, Friends too? You know how my favorite rap album is. Don't don't Angus. bring up Friends in here. That is a sin. <laughs> that don't is bring up Friends in here. I don't know that rule. I like Friends. Of course you do. Uh, friends yeah. is the white version of Living Single. That's, they stole it from Living Single. Everybody did that. Yeah. Critical yeah. story. That's not yeah. true. Hey, hey so much from NBC said he wanted to show like Living Single, but with white people. They yeah. stole that. Hey, did you guys like? Are you surprised that white people stole something? No. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. I, but it just people don't know. People don't understand. Not, if you like it's friends, hard to, watch Living everybody, Single. Everybody here don't knows. know that white people yeah. stole something. Yeah, Amazing! Everybody, everybody wow. Knows. Everybody in this room knows. <laughs> hey, I tell you about how this country was founded. Wait, what? Wait, I tell you about? I thought it. they just stumbled across it. Yeah, they was trying to look for India. Built it all up. It was just trying to find salt in India, that's all. And I hate this. Being a history teacher and knowing the truth, it's like, bruh, you expect me to believe. You expect me to teach that? That you got lost looking for things to season your food and 500 (laughs) years later, you don't know how to season your food? And you still... I got still jokes. I'm not Based on results. I don't steal jokes. I'm not you. That was an amazing one. Where'd you hear that one? I don't steal jokes. God, that was astonishing. I just have a I just have a good comprehension of how white people work. Oh, Remember, okay. I'm an ex-white supremacist. Yes, that's true. I, I know their ways. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna just be honest with y'all. Rap is white supremacy. Well, it is. That's probably that's that's a true statement. Say say more, say more, say more. Okay, so I mean, we're just gonna keep it, you know, we're gonna keep it a band here. Yes. It's not at my job where I got to keep it 98%. Let's go. So when we look at the development of rap music in the early, in the late eighties to early nineties, you had a lot of more conscious, uh, you know, rap groups. You had brand Nubian, public enemy, public enemy, uh, KRS one, KRS one, KRS one, know you're Israelite. Um, you just have more conscious rap. Uh, nowadays, conscious rap has fallen by the wayside. You know, who are your most conscious rappers? Who are they? This is, real, this is a real question. When you talk when you talk about conscious rap to people, they'll bring up Kendrick Lamar. I right, stop. Hold on, hold on. That's hold on. Who, this is who people will. No, say. no, I'm, I'm just gonna stop you while you're saying it because Kendrick Lamar, bitch, be humble. Sit down. I love Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar yeah, rapped no, about. No. Kendrick Lamar rapped about being an Israelite. That's dope. Yeah. Look at yeah. J Cole. More, what's, uh, let me give me give me a good J Cole by the way. He's just like. He's just bitch. I'd, I'd rather be wa- than mopping up Wendy's or what does he say? He, oh, he, I love he that one. Off, I'm working at Wendy's. I don't know nothing about Jake. Yeah, yeah sure. No, you no, don't know nothing about Jake. No, that's a good Jake Cole bar. Right? I never did this before. No, I'm okay with that because he's like talking about when he was a virgin, but like. Most of his bars are just very like womanizing and homophobic. Oh, oh no, that that one song, that one song on um, um, with the song with Jeremiah, he was like talking about sticking it down a girl's throat and all that. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, if, you, if you're married, that's okay. But again, conscious rap yeah. is not conscious rap. And J. Cole's the best because J. Cole is the definition of a regular ass nigga who, who grew up around like gangster niggas, quote unquote, because Fayetteville's pretty rough. They got yeah, hot murder, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like he's just a regular ass cat, but he's like embodying a gangster lifestyle. Same with Kendrick. Kendrick embodies the, the Compton lifestyle. That that uh that that you know gangsterism that's pushed on you know black youth, and so when we look at hip hop, it really is just pushing, put pushing, pushing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, when, when you look at Meg Thee Stallion, Cardi B, and Nicki Minaj, that's it's all pushing. about their vagina. Yep. You know, it's all about you know. Oh, wow, the whole, song of the year. It's the over over sexualization of Black, Hispanic, and Native American women. Hey, so in the year of the Black woman, WAP wins the song of the year. So basically, you're telling me all a woman, all a black woman is good for is having sex with her yeah. on both sides, from male rappers to female, female rappers. rappers. That's all you are. Hey, you know the crazy part is, is black and black and Hispanic parents find it uncomfortable to show them a, a depiction of lynchings or colonialization or hey, rapings. Hey, we find it hard to say Jesus ain't white. Yeah. yeah we man. find that inappropriate yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to show uh, depictions of our oppression. But we'll, we'll show modern oppression and the modern propaganda. We'll show, we'll show black women just shaking their ass. Yeah, we'll show all on the television. Yeah, screen. and that's more appropriate than us getting lynched. It's, like, it's, it's better for you to ride around in your car talking about how you're going to go kill your ops. Yeah, we look yeah. at the city of Chicago and the and the, the the increase in murder and gang activity there, and it's correlated with a uh, drill rap and the rise of Chief Keith, Lil Reese, uh, Fredo. Uh, give me another one, Lil Dirk, yeah, them brothers, yep, yep. OTF. Um, um, the one who just died. What's his name? Um, <sighs> Freed. It's not Fredo. Oh man. I don't know. I, I, them brothers be dying out there. It's hard they to keep do. up. They do. They do. You ain't never heard gangster rap made me do it. That's white supremacy. And I now mean, you have a trend where, again, we were talking about black masculinity earlier and how, um, you know, white supremacy doesn't want black men to be masculine. That goes yeah. back into slavery when they would effeminize us. They would bug break us. They would rape us. They would take the biggest, strongest black man or anybody who wanted to, not just black men, because you think about it with the Spanish, the conquistadors, yeah. and what they did on the island of Hispaniola, what uh, Hernan Cortez did in Tenochtitlan in Mexico. Yeah. They took yeah. those who were going to fight against their colonization and enslavement, and they beat them, and they raped them. They raped yeah. men. Yeah, and now we look at it in a modern sense where you have brothers who came in and they're they're, they're embodying what they thought was masculinity, a more a more accurate version of toxic masculinity with you know the gangbang and the shoot 'em up, the hood life, and now it's uh, let's paint our nails, let's wear all these different rainbow colors in our hair, and let's wear dresses. But even with that, going into context, even outside of the apparel, I personally do not believe masculinity is is relevant or even precedent in modern America when it comes to black and Hispanic homes, because nine times out of 10, our, our children are not being even raised by black and Hispanic men to even They're be being toxic. raised by the matriarch. Like how can you be toxic if there wasn't even a man to begin with? So really it's not a, it's not toxic masculinity. It's a absence of masculinity yeah, it's like and a that. high presence of, of femininity because, in, in black men. Going even in the context, when we had more integrity as black, we could all agree. Post, uh, post, uh, integration, uh, pre integration, mm -hmm. pre integration, when we was more separated, when blacks and browns were together within our communities, you've seen that there was a lot of our communities and our people. Um, that it, our homes was ran by predominantly men and heads of the household. We understand that there was abuse and psychological problems going on. We mm -hmm. get it, 
whatever. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing is, when you see how the neighborhoods were in, there was less black on black crime. There was less brown on brown crime. There was less issues. There was less of us embarrassing one another on television, acting a certain type of way. Our women and our men didn't know how to act out. We actually had genuine sincerity and care for one another. But now, once the crack hit in the 80s epidemic and Generations uh, X was completely demolished and all the black men was put in prison, dead on crack. Now you got a new form of black man raised by black women and brown women. You know what I'm saying? So now when you have these men who are uh, now all grown up and have their children, now you get, we're, we're basically the modern spawn of what, black, what what America did to us 40 years ago. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And people people are blaming uh, trying to keep black men accountable. I'm like, bro, black men have been accountable. We're just not able to even see our <laughs> children. We're, we're so accountable. Right. Like, strikes of accountability left us in jail forever. Systematically pulled out of it, you know, like intentionally. It's very intentional. And of course, that, that's the nature of white supremacy, of colonialism, is to blame the oppressed, right, for what happens, is to blame them and say, it's your fault. This is why it happens. Now, don't get me wrong. As an Israelite, I am for accountability among Black and Hispanic and Native Americans yes, because yes. After we murder each other. That's right. Yes. Other, we don't take care of our kids. We we whore out our women. We do that. So I'm all about accountability. I'm not gonna go sit here and blame uh, the white man for me being in slavery. I'm not gonna do it because there are things we needed to do to avoid this. You don't just go from ruling the world to being an animal. That's not how that's not how life works. There's a bigger thing to it. And it goes into us being accountable. But at the same time, there's there's a level of brainwashing that is done through the media and especially hip hop. You know, words are weapons. Now, this is my this is my favorite thought process. Words are weapons. Words are weapons. And what you have when you um, plug your ox into your phone or you turn on your radio is a a full 360 assault on your your member your medulla oblongata <laughs> I, don't play, I don't play certain rap music around um children just due to yeah. the fact that shit, i don't play certain rap music around me yeah i'm sitting here listening i'm like yeah well, this is evil as hell should i loved it loved when i was somebody else yep. before i was has to die i loved it i was like yeah like little wayne i really can't even go back and listen i don't like little wayne little wayne was the greatest rapper of all time at one point i can't go back and listen to no scenes i like little wayne i can't yeah, bars, I've though. Never, I been like never been a fan never been a fan yeah, like, uh, I, I don't really understand I, don't, I mean maybe during that time period where he was doing was phenomenal but i think little I mean, there were things that were catchy hyped. it's like okay that's catchy but most of the time i've been listening to him like shrug i don't know okay <laughs> that's what i feel about little wayne though seriously uh, I really, I'm not a big fan of Little Wayne. I want to, I want to take, I want to take over this interview so bad. Probably because I want to get to the job questions, and probably because I got a Bitcoin <laughs> conference I got to go to. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> why, why don't we take it to that? Like, okay, so, so first, so first, we want to amplify what you're working on, and then yes. Kevin will introduce the most important segment, obviously. But yeah, what what are y'all working on right now? How do people support you? So right now, we're actually setting up a Patreon and a donation page. Um, via young activists, so just stay tuned by following us. We're trying to get to 15,000 followers on Let's Facebook, go. and we're also trying to get to 10k followers, or realistically, 6,000 followers on Instagram. No, 10k, get us to 10,000. Okay, go follow young.activist on Instagram, like, share, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow my man Elijah Judah 144 on Twitter. You can follow me at Hasadai8, and uh, we're also setting up different um 
different things in order to help black and brown. Hold on, I got you. Oh, you got me? Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically on August 1st, we got a community cleanup coming out on Sunday. Um, we're working with a couple of different powerful people right now in the city. And uh, we actually just got a uh, potential funding for that. So if you guys know any gang members or people who are disenfranchised and need some form of guidance, black and brown kids, we're going to be doing this in the Holly area of Park Hill. And we're going to be doing it in the uh, the 1% of Denver. That's the most uh, dispersed when it comes to our people killing one another, whether that's on uh, Colfax and Yosemite uh, on, and near Holly, where the park is over there, whether that's Alameda and Federal or whether that's um, Colfax and Broadway. Those are the five different areas of Colorado that are the most uh, oppressed when it comes to us killing one another. So we're going to be doing community cleanups in the, on, in the nearest area near there. And then on August 27th, we're going to be doing a big, huge event celebration uh, that via that August, and this is just the first steps to what we're going to be doing in the community. The reason why we're doing community cleanups, I know a lot of people might see that as uh, uh, um, as little, but it's actually really big. And the reason I say that is because you got to understand, white folks keep their communities clean. They got green ass, green ass grass. And on top of that, you know what I'm saying? They make sure their stuff is all together. When you have pride in the area you live in, you're more likely to make sure that you don't want nobody to, to dirty it up. So yeah. we're going to bring out the, the, the slums, the people who are disenfranchised, the unwanted. That's why I only litter in white communities. Exactly. Plus, don't litter is, love is industrial propaganda. That's a, Don't litter is like, that's industrial that's propaganda. Right. My you don't tell me not to litter when you just paved the miles and miles of concrete. First of all, you came here and deforested and the whole And you're manufacturing all this plastic and you're manufacturing all this stuff that can't compost, can't be reused anyway. But you're telling me- You just have floating trash islands out there. You... Yeah, exactly. My 16-year-old yeah. taught me about that. And I'm like, oh- I was a he puts you on game. We yeah. don't even talk about how all of the Midwest and the um, like this, you know, the Southeast was heavily forested until Europeans came over here. Yep. Yeah, so right. but you gonna tell me not to litter? But if I drop a plastic bottle on the ground, okay, I'm the problem. Anyway, so all right, so we're doing this cleanup. That is a big deal. I agree because I think you know, and it gets people together, and it gets people like you know, like connecting in community. So I love it. Yes. Yeah, I got, a, I got another podcast with DJ K-Tone on Wednesday talking about that. So um, I'd encourage y'all to tune in, but also come out. And if y'all know anybody, bring them. It's going to be on the news and everything. Yes, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely post it. This this episode won't post until next week, but we'll get we'll get word out about the podcast episode uh, that y'all are going to do um, for the you said this Wednesday. Yep. All right, yep. go. All right. Yes. Kev, you want to take it to the next thing before Hasadiah has to go? All right. Well, Gerardo <laughs> says this is the most important question. Most I don't important know the most important part of the podcast is everything that y'all have said up until this yeah, point. That's true. That's but I know y'all are dropping knowledge. I stand correct. And, and I appreciate usual. it. You know, I, I, my Israelite. <laughs> The most uh, important just, part of your podcast is the white supremacist part. That's hilarious. No, no. no. So it's, I, I it's, just it's said part, I it's everything correct. that y'all have said. I stand correct. But but <laughs> but you know, I, I just love what y'all are saying and how I uh, I have an Israelite uncle and I just love how y'all are representing. Um, so the last question. Well, and, also and hold on. Curious. I got I got I got to say something that has to die real quick though. You got real excited when we talk about this, like about this segment. You're like, man, I'm I'm already thinking about mine. And he's like, man, that's why it's yeah. 
Hey, hey, he said he's Hey, he said he was gonna blasphemy. He said he gonna take it where it's gonna go. So take it where it's gonna go. Fair enough. He's not gonna blaspheme. He is. Do do what you gotta do. Take it where you need to. He's gonna say Dylon, 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 Dylon. I used to step all on my line, bro. I thought we was in this together. I speak with fire. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to just catch the thing. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's how so, good. I spoiled your Colorado joke. So exactly. I want y'all to take it where you want to go. So this is like non-hierarchical. It, it's a top five because we don't really call it a top five. Hierarchies are white supremacy. You could have, you could have twenty. And then the president. You could have oh. forty. It it doesn't have to be hip hop. It could be R and B. It could be spoken word. You take it wherever you want to go, but oh, it's yeah. like also, one of the five <laughs> auditory stimulations that you really appreciate that motivate you, that inspire you. So, you know what I mean? It could be oh, chance. Be Kevin is up it, here like, okay, fish, fish. It, it, it could be whatever you yeah, want. You like fish, that's hilarious. I like it. Mean, <laughs> hey, hey, let's go. All right. So, so you want to go first? I'm going to do well. I'm gonna let you go first. Y'all can go back and forth. Y'all can go back and forth if you want. I wanna yeah, no, nah, I actually do want to do the rap music one though. Um, so you talking about all time or just currently? It can be currently what you like, it can be your all time written in stone. I'm gonna it's do my list. It's, it's, my it's whatever you are feeling, whatever comes I out do. of you right now. I really and, and you're not held accountable. Like we don't go back and we are like, you said this. And yeah. now you yeah, said we're, we're not asking. Like, we're not asking for a receipt. We're not asking for a receipt. Okay, okay. So nice. I know y'all might y'all might hold to accountability, and I respect that. So well, do we, what you do. Just we do gonna, what you do. We're gonna do two lists. We're gonna do our goat list, and then we're gonna do our, our favorites. Yep. All right. All right. Go All right. I like that. All right. I like that. So Shakespeare gotta be number one. Oh, there you Ooh. go. Paul, number two from the Bible. Oh, Song of Solomon, so- Solomon, that man's that man's that man. You know what I'm oh! saying? Jesus taking him back. I oh, wouldn't Jesus just be <laughs> uh, Yeah, that's what I was. <laughs> well, well, that's why I didn't put him in there. Jesus is hot right now. Jesus, like for real. Yeah, it probably is. My word. All right. All right. Look, I what they wrote about. Okay, okay. So he number one. So, so, so when I say Shakespeare, I said Paul. Paul yeah. up in there, it's Solomon for sure. No, no, no. For, forget Solomon. The reason I say that is because in context, in context, yeah, I, I put David in there. Yeah, okay. I was, yeah. was going to say, David. yeah, okay. He wrote okay. the Psalms. He made Psalms, yeah. Yeah. So, David's Psalms are like, like you're just like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This, this brother is blowing off some steam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then after that, uh, uh, so it would probably be, uh, well, hold on. So, hmm. You talking about just like straight from entertainment, poet, poetic. I put I put him okay in there. Okay. Ooh. Yes. I wonder. Hey, real, this is real talk. So that's who, goat, though, right? That's that goat. Style. Who who invented that style of preaching? Oh, <laughs> who invented that shit? It originally comes from the church. No, yeah, but who invented? No. <laughs> I heard that was his rap. Like he always talked like that. That brother, like I think he just church? kicked it like that. I know damn well he wasn't talking like that. Like, this lady. I'd like some pie. 
I'm in the city for one night. I just did a march and I could use a little compliment. To the motel and I'll tell them to leave the key under the door. You don't have to tell Coretta. Um, <laughs> wow. Oh, that's my little. This is list? amazing. This is amazing. You love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You ignored my white Luther King joke. Uh, I'm gonna be honest and still do the white supremacy thing. Oh uh, <laughs> man, see, I was super pro black with mine. You yeah. were. I love it. Yeah. Shout out, shout out, Shakespeare. That man is bad. Shakespeare, man. Shakespeare is more than one person. That's that's the penny. That's why I keep telling my daughter. That's why I keep telling my daughter. We're going top ten though. You got to put Beethoven in there. And um, yeah, Beethoven was black. Beethoven, Beethoven was black. black. Chopin was black. Yep. But yeah, no, at least one Shakespeare. Leonardo da Vinci will never be in there. I mean, he didn't make music, but he was an artist. <laughs> he said auditory. Uh, I'll put Gil Scott Heron in my top. Oh, there we go. There we go. Who will survive in America? Uh, oh, who's the dude? Uh, who's the dude who did the poetry back in the sixties? Very famous. His, his name starts with an L. Uh, you talked uh, this last night. Langston Hughes? Who Langston, you think? Hughes. Langston Hughes. Oh, from the he's, 60s. he's from the 40s. Bro. Yeah, 50s. 40s, 50s. Um, like yeah. 20s, right? 20s? Right. 20s. Yeah, 20s. I'm going to let me in my white supremacy or not. Let's go. Let's go. Let's okay. go. Let's so, this is my goal list. This is my yeah. goal list. Right. Number one. Okay. Number one, Jigger. Oh, okay. Number two, K Dot. Whoa. Number three, Drizzy. Oh, God. Number four, Face Mob. Face Mob? Um, number five. I really didn't have a fifth one. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't have that. a fifth one. You're like, that's it. That could be I it. Wanna, I don't want to put Kanye because I don't believe Kanye is a – I think Kanye is a great artist, but he's not a great rapper. Oh, we're yeah, talking about we have, we have a long standing debate. Yes, that, I mean, this me is true. Me and Kevin have a long standing debate on this. I'm with you, Hasadai. I'm with you. <sighs> A great rapper, that. great well, artist, man. great rapper. I I disagree. I would put him in a top rapper list. Well, yeah, but, but like you gotta think college dropout and late registration were freestyle or written by somebody else. Super His most highly no, I'm not putting Snoop No, oh Snoop Dogg. I put Snoop. Snoop would be my Snoop. first. Snoop, yeah, I can. Snoop has longevity. Snoop has. When you look at his earlier, the early his earlier music, he was like coming with that technique and different like yeah, rhymes. Technique is. Who? Eminem. Who? <laughs> I'm a pro black white supremacist. No. <laughs> I got coming in. Okay. Well, I'm doing my favorites. My favorites number one, Kendrick. Number two, Drizzy. Um, God, number three. Drake is the man, Drake is that guy. God, Drake man. is the king of Babylon. <laughs> Drake is the king of Babylon. <laughs> I'm saying Drake to rule over the rap world. That, that, that is it. Don't look That's at a good me. way to describe. Please don't look at me. God, uh, finish our list. Number three, <laughs> number three, Starlito. But oh. three was Drake. Three was Drake. Uh, is it? Yeah, number four is Starlito. Number, number five, five, Don Trip. No, it's not Don Trip. You, you, that's <laughs> right. Number five is Don Kennedy. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So I hate that list. So let me. <laughs> it was that list no. So we can do. Okay, what you say? The other one was yeah, my, yeah, my favorite. So my favorite, my favorite rappers right now, in in no particular order: J yeah. Cole. Okay. Disrespectful. Little baby. <laughs> Jermaine. 
Cole. Cole. Jermaine. Jermaine. <laughs> Cole. J. Cole. The Bill is back. The Bill is back. Wait, 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 wait. Are you Luigi, baby? J. Cole. Real baby. Oh, baby. Oh, who? Drake. Drake. Uh, so, little baby, J. Cole, uh, Polo G. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> I, He's looking at me like, no. I just have to, I just have to say, like, Le- Le- Legend, you, you are so, like, you're just strong in yourself. You're not letting him get to you. You're just like, this is my list. <laughs> That's it. That's you it. That's you got to be. This person. So, <laughs> this person, I got a name. J. Cole, baby. <laughs> But I'm just not trying to be. Uh, I'm trying to respect your pronouns. Little baby, <laughs> little baby, Polo G. Um, <laughs> um, dang, I just had this too. Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, right. No, you, know, bro, you, don't, you, don't, you don't like Kendrick, bro. Yes, you're a hater. You're a hater of the king of New York. Um, the king of New York. Who's the last person I listened to heavily? Um, yeah, I'll put Kendrick in there, and then I would say number five. Realistically, who do I listen to? Probably Rod Wave. There we go. I knew you was going to throw that out there. Hey, before, before, before you depart. No, Roddy Rich. Roddy Rich. Roddy Rich. Oh, Roddy okay. Rich. He's definitely, he's definitely, it'll be Roddy Rich and Kendrick Lamar. I like, see, how, that's why I said I'm more of a Gen Z type. I'm, I'm casual. Yeah, you writer. said that. You stuck to it. You yeah. stuck, to, stuck it. to it. I just want to, I want to shout out because I know I just did my whole white supremacy thing. You got to forgive me. I died daily. <laughs> But uh, I want to shout out. I want to. I want to shout out some Israelite rappers real quick. Yeah, uh, uh, Sons of Thunder, Super Fire. Go listen to um, Twelve. Twelve. Yes, Twelve is my favorite. Go listen to Twelve and Solomon the Jew. Um, Jaleel. Hold on, I gotta say that. I gotta say the album name so they could go listen to them. So Sons of Thunder. Go listen to Seven Trumpets and uh, Redemption of Cot- Cotton Country Three. That mixtape slaps. Go listen to. Uh, yeah, like you said, Twelve and Solomon the Jew. Go listen to Saviors. Go listen, oh God, yes. Go listen to uh, Jaleel. Um, what is it? I forgot his. Oh man, I forget the name of his album. But go listen to Jaleel. That's one of the best albums. Uh, the Message, Jaleel. The Message. Um, Psalms one forty nine. Oh God. Go listen to um. Oh God. Psalms, yeah, chapter one and um, what's the name? The Judgment is written. So just shouting out Israelite rappers right there. There we go. Got it. Got it. We'll get there. There we go. That's a list. Y'all I mean, Tupac is the greatest rapper of all time. Oh so God. that's all I want to say. Hey, do. I'll yeah. talk to y'all later, bro. <laughs> 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 right, I'm all right. If there's any disagreements with that, y'all could kiss my keister. <laughs> keister. You like ended it on a positive note. You like, no, I like niggerdom. Let me do that some more. Here we go. Uh, he right, called me the, the young nigger The young nigger vest. The nigger vest. Powerful nigger tree at work. Powerful nigger tree out here. I love y'all. I love y'all. I love y'all. This this is this is amazing. I love y'all. Um, I love y'all, fe- fellas. Thank you so much for joining us today. And read. <laughs> I'm glad you were white because then this that man said he took the DNA test. He was like, You're 105 percent nigga with a five percent error. Right here, there's a hundred percent chance you can be a nigga, bro. That's terrible. Oh man, oh so, man, I just want to say that. Just a lot of us, 100 percent baboon. That's terrible. <laughs> Uncle Ruckus is the perfect um, symbology or personification of Black America in its current state. 
Oh, I bro. love that. Juneteenth and Fourth of and July. Fourth of July, you a lukewarm revolutionary. Not only Uncle <laughs> Ruckus, you are Uncle Ruckus. You are Uncle Ruckus. You were just marching and saying, "I can't breathe." Justice for George. And, and now you put on your good old American <laughs> red, white, and blue monkey suit, and you stood in the streets and popped fireworks, and you went and did a drive-by on somebody, and you drank more liquor. Not only that, you got to really think about it. So you was like, "I can't breathe." Black Lives Matter. And if you're Mexican and you celebrated Fourth of July, you better not ever say nothing about nothing. No, just say nothing about nothing. Donald Trump. How are you gonna celebrate? How you gonna polish ice, nigga? What? How you gonna march in the street about our oppression and then be like, "Well, I'm an American." Fireworks, nigga. How you Thanksgiving? I was, I was fighting with the of you. <laughs> You're like, man, I'm not eating you. I want to be treated like an American citizen. By the way, when's Thanksgiving coming up? <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. No, it's the last Thursday of every uh, November. I'll be there. Savage. So, anyways, Brown Lives Matter. Puede, <laughs> puede. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a bit real fast. Yeah, we gotta go. There we go. There we got go. to. No, got yeah. to. That's it. Got to. So, folks, there are young activists. We got young activists here. Um, follow subscribe, them. like, share, follow on YouTube. Sign up for their Patreon. Platforms. Check. Yeah, that's all dope. of that's it. Great, y'all doing that. And let's get them to let's get them to six to ten k Instagram followers. That's Thousand ten k on Instagram. Let's do six it. Six to ten. Do it. And, oh, uh, ten fans. 50 bands. That's it. Bands. That's it. There we go. It's not even discussing, man. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> well, thanks for being with us today. We have a way we like to take the show out. Um, I'll ramble a little bit, and then if we could all try to say stay dope together. Does that sound good? We'll try. Stay dope. We'll try. It. <laughs> it depends on internet connections. So for Elijah and Hasadiah of Young Activists, for my partner in crime, Kevin Adams, my name is Gerardo Munoz. And we are encouraging you today, tomorrow, in revolution against white supremacy. Okay, supporting white supremacy. No, uh, don't no, don't <laughs> they'll support it. They, don't do it. Don't do it. But we all listen to rap music over here, so we will live in the contradiction and continue to be reflective about it. Right? <laughs> and we just say that stay engaged, stay informed, stay active. connected to your community, and above all. Stay dope. Stay dope.